Welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here. I am back. I want to give a shout out to DJ Pi uh, for filling in for me. Did a great interview with Jim Urbina last week talking about Old McDonald, talking about Pacific Dunes, which we're right in between those two episodes airing on our YouTube channel uh, for our abandoned uh, tourist sauce season, Oregon tourist sauce season, I should say. So go check that out if you have not. That, uh, that uh, was released later uh, this past week, I think on Thursday. Uh, and the boys, of course, were filling in on my wedding weekend Appreciate the, the review of the wedding that came on the podcast as well. It was a, a great time, but I'm, I'm anxious to get back to work, get back to golf. Uh, Masters is right around the corner. So I wanted to talk to one of the top players in the world, Matt Fitzpatrick, talk to him about Augusta. We went deep. We go into the yardage book talking about notes he has on specific holes and things like that. I I hope it's interesting. It was definitely, definitely interesting to me. I love nerding out on that stuff. And if you liked it, there's going to be more uh, of that uh, on the, later this week on the podcast. We're really turning our heads towards the Masters. Uh, not going to talk a lot about a lot of golf that happened this past week. I honestly didn't get to watch any Bermuda. I've been honeymooning in my new house in Jacksonville. I didn't really actually, didn't make it out of town, but it's been a great, great to get away for a couple of weeks. Do want to give a shout out though to Callum Shinkwin. I hope I'm saying that right. It is three wins in a row on the European tour for Callaway Equipment. Three wins in a row globally for the Chrome Soft X. Uh, he was using the Chrome Soft X triple track plus the triple track double wide putter. You've heard us talk about this. You've heard us talk about 88% of golfers are not lining up properly, how much the triple track does help you. Uh, and also, check out the pictures. Callaway Golf's got some of them. He hit his his ball into a random bag of cans this past week, uh, which was floating around there on social media. Maverick Sub-Zero, 10.5 degree driver, a 16.5 degree fairway wood. He's got the X-Forge Utility 21 degree utility iron. Neil calls that prime time, 21 degree for Deion Sanders. He uses the Apex MB wedges, Jaws MD5 wedges, uh, the triple track double wide putter, as I mentioned, and the the Chromesoft X20 uh, triple track golf ball, the 2020 golf ball. So congratulations to Callum. You can find out more about that at CallawayGolf.com. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of Bryson stuff here with Matt Fitzpatrick, distance stuff, all that kind of fun stuff. So we really appreciate the time from him. And without any further delay, here he is. So you're still doing uh, still doing interviews after you made some headlines a few weeks ago. I am, yeah, I am. <laughs> I want to get into the specifics, but first, uh, you know, I want to know what's that like for someone in your shoes when you know maybe you something like that happens. You might are trying to say something, maybe it didn't come out right, or maybe it's not presented in the way you meant it. What's that scramble like after something like that happens? Uh, yeah, it, it was quite strange, really, because for me, I, I've been very lucky in my golfing time i guess that i've never really had that before i would like to think i've always been one for for sort of giving my opinion and not in a nasty way just you know just telling telling people what i think really um it came at quite a funny time because i just watched social dilemma and um decided to get rid of all my social media so I literally the week before I delete all the apps off my phone, still got it, just delete all the apps off my phone so I can, you know, do something more productive with my time. And then obviously uh, 
yeah, what what happened to the on fr- on the Friday at Wentworth uh, happened. So it kind of I didn't really see anything of it really, other than other than hearing from from a couple of the players and and uh, and Ted, my manager. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he I'm sure that uh, he uh, was a little bit of damage control after that. But if if all things that came from that, and I want to like I said, I want to get into specifics. I will say Bryson took it very well. You know, he took it maybe differently than I would have thought he would have taken it. Yeah, I mean. Listen to to be honest. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'll see him next week or two weeks' time at the Masters, but it was never a personal dig. You know, it right. was never a personal dig. He he's just simply I forgot the word for it. Like, um, it's representative of what you're he's, saying. He's, yeah, yeah, I know what it is. He's, he's a straw that broke the camel's <laughs> back, effectively, isn't he? You know. So yeah, like I say, it was never ever personal. I've always gone with him. Um, he's always been good with me. So you know. It, was nothing like that for me it was you know I got asked the question about distance in the game and his name just came up in one of the questions um and then obviously you know you you sort of get linked linked to that but the the point of of the question was and the point of the whole argument in the first place really is about is about the distance and how far the balls go in and and uh, everything else that comes with it really so your beef is not with Bryson. It is more directed towards the rules. So when you saying when you say he's making a mockery of the game, you're not directing that comment at him. It's just more so of like, you know, because this is allowed, it's a bit of a mockery. Is that is that a fair way to no, define well, it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess that, I guess that is that is fair enough. I mean, like you say, it, it, it's certainly not. You know, you take my, my argument is is you, you go to St Andrews. And you put Bryson on there, and he, and he's driving eight of the greens, and all of a sudden St Andrews is the historic start of golf, and and it's now not. It it just becomes a very different. Um, it's a very different golf course when when the ball's going that far. So yeah, it, it was like I say, it was never never to do with uh, to Bryson. It's just I think a lot of the golf courses that we play um, now all of a sudden with the way technology has advanced and, and shot making in particular, um, it's less, a, less of a factor in my opinion. Well, I want to take some time and kind of unpack this because we, we talk about this stuff pretty much every week, but you know, we're not out there competing on tour and I would imagine it's probably a challenging thing for you to talk about specifically because I think there's a group of people out there that will take anything you say and kind of treat it as sour grapes as in, you know, like, of course you think that you're not one of the longer guys out there, but can you, as you would define it, and we've, like I said, we've made many efforts to kind of define it the way we see it, but set the scene for what the current situation is like between the relationship between technology, the rules, the benefits of distance, and like the risk reward that comes with with hitting a driver. I know that's a lot of topics in it, but how would you kind of describe the state of where things are um, in, in your own words, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say players are openly talking about, oh, the ball's going too far, it's ridiculous, it goes too straight. I genuinely don't believe that's the case. If I'm going to be honest, it's the majority of golf media that that comes out with it and ask the players, and then you probably see bits and bobs in, in pre- players' press conferences when they've been asked a, a question about it in particular. So for me, it's not like I get out to a golf course and I'm like, oh, wow, this is way too long for me. I, d- I don't stand a chance. You know, like you say, you've got you to sort of pick your battles, really, and try and 
a you you pick courses that you feel that suit your game and you can do well around or b you know you try and think of a strategy to 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 come up with being able to compete on that course whether that's you know doing well through your putting doing well doing better wedge play that's the way sort of myself and my team look at it is is we kind of figure it out that way really yeah, because I think there's there's a, a decent argument out there that says distance has always been an advantage of, in golf. We're just now learning, you know, the true benefit of it. Yet, I think the, the, the point that a lot of people seem to miss about it is that the current technology sets you up very well to be able to hit it very long plus very straight and that the sweet spots are so big that... You know, it almost uh, just el- not eliminates risk to take driver. But I think back to I was following you in Abu Dhabi. It was in 2018. I, in, I correct me if I'm wrong. I think you were playing with DJ and Rory. Does that sound right? I think I was just Rory on that Sunday. Okay. Um, and, and there was a hole that dog legs way to the left, and I forget which one it is. And you, Rory, just hit driver right over the corner of it. And you had to hit like a three wood out to the part that doesn't quite dogleg. And there was like a 90 yard difference between the two of you. And it, it seemed to me that it was just like, okay, that wasn't that risky for Rory because he hits it that far. And the, the gap and the advantage that he earns from that is disproportionate to the challenge that he just took on. And that's where I think the debate lives. And it's a very fine line, but it's almost like, hey, Rory, like you didn't really, t- you didn't really take on risk by doing this and you gained an enormous advantage. And that's where I, I th- I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I think that's kind of where you're getting at in terms of where the balance in the game has been maybe lost. No, I, I, I definitely, I, I would say that's probably hit the nail on the head, to be honest, Solly. I think, um, you know, take that hole, for example, if you put, water up there and and the fairway now is is 25 yards wide and it you know if you have a really good tee shot that's where you are and it's deservedly so that that you know that to me is is long and straight you know that's an advantage and good good for you that's that's really good but i i think listen i hate to <laughs> i hate to use it again you know it's not it's nothing against Bryson but you go you go to the wing wing foot for example and you look at the fairways there every fairway what averaging 25 yards wide and it's thick rough everywhere so you know if you hit it 200 yards in if you hit it 250 yards in the fairway and you hit it 100 and, and you've only got 100 yards in if you bomb it up there 300 yards in the rough then you know the law of averages, just statistically speaking, it, it's it's a pretty equal ball game from up there. If if not, there might be a bit more advantage out of the rough if you pull a lie and and everything else that comes with it. So, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It, it's about it's about the course design and and taking on the risk if you're going to be long. Um, and I'm not saying everyone should play from the same spot. It's not like that. You know, it's not like everyone should just hit it 250 and that's the limit. I, I don't agree with that either. I think it's like you say that there's got to be a bit of a reward um, to be to be able to hit it long and straight, and that kind of goes to to what I, you know, what I said with about the the skill proportion of it. My comment there in particular was, you know, if I gave you a five degree driver, added two inches on top of it, and you know, made it the maximum length forty eight inches, and told you, Solly, I need you to hit it five on the up, you know it's just physics you're going to pick up distance you know you are you are going to pick up distance whether that's 10 yards 20 yards whatever it is that's just that's just the way it is so getting hitting it long 
in my opinion, wasn't necessarily a skill or isn't necessarily a skill hitting it long because, I, you know, I can hit it longer. But hitting it long and straight, now that's the skill. Like, that is, that's the point of the game is to, is to hit it straight, is to hit it long and straight. And, and that's, that's how you, you know, you, you score well. You hit it long straight up there, you wedge it on, you hold the putt. And I think that's, that was probably where the misinterpretation of my skill definition there was, was taken in the fact that, you know, a little bit on myself, I never said that, I never said the long and straight part was a skill. It was, you know, you you look at the guys like DJ, Rory, Brooks, those guys hit it long and they hit it straight as well. You know, it's not like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so that's, I think- that's what I wanted to get at was the, I think these guys do hit it relatively, like extremely straight for how far they hit it. Even if the numbers don't say they hit a ton of fairways, it's within the ballpark, right? And they're able of to get on it. Yeah. If if you if you have a I don't, I don't know the maths off the top like specifically but you know if you go for a de- degree of error at two fifty on a thirty yard fairway or something you know annuity however many I don't know what the maths is five degrees right you might be in the fairway but at three hundred yards you're in the rough aren't you at thirty yards so that's the point it is definitely uh, the longer you hit it. Probably is a little bit harder to hit it straight, given given the the course definitions that that are set up now. So yeah, it it seems to me that, and maybe it's just golf fans, or maybe it's just people I listen to, or maybe reading too many of my Twitter replies. But it seems like everyone wants to try to address this with course setup. You know, say, hey, we need to plant more trees, we need to grow the rough up, rough up even higher, blah blah blah. And I see all these opinions. I'm just like, man, this seems like way like just the wrong way to get to a solution and I don't even think that really gets us there so in your mind is it is it something that can be curtailed or addressed with setup or does it really come back to just kind of technology yeah I think it's a tough one I think the thing is with setup you you know you can never you can't keep building 8,000 yard golf courses you know that that's that's just global warming and space in the world and all of that stuff that comes with it. But I think it's definitely a bit of both. I think that, you know, if you, if you gave everyone a professional 90, probably something even a little bit softer than that, and you gave them a a smaller head, then the game is going to be more difficult. There's no doubt about that. Um, You're going to have more spin on it. You're going to have a smaller sweet spot. So you are going to have to, you know, try and control your ball a little bit better and, and not just sort of aim to hit it as far as you can, really. So um, I think it's, it's it's definitely a bit of both. Your point there, I really buy into it in, in the fact that if you come to a hole, there should be a reward for hitting it long and straight. There shouldn't just be a reward for, for bombing it long, in, in my opinion. Yeah, because I, I think back to, you know, the Open Championship and how I think more and more year over year it becomes... I already think it's, if not the best, the one of the best viewing experiences every year. But it gets it, it highlights it even more over year over year because it doesn't end up being a driving contest. And I think that the main reasons are obviously the firm turf, you know, lets allows the not as long hitters to be able to compete at a different level, and, and more so because the longer guys are trying to get their ball to stop as much as they are trying to get it to go a long ways, and. The the bunker the bunkering is just so different on these golf courses that it's a true penalty and it is truly you have to avoid this at all costs and so I I, I guess I don't really have a, a question related to that other than I think you know 
the golf courses that really penalize the er errant tee shots yet don't require that much length end up being the best tournaments to watch. And that goes, I know you weren't uh, in the President's Cup, obviously, but that's what I go back to Royal Melbourne. I was like, that was the perfect balance of, you know, length is an advantage. It's a skill and it'll play well in certain spots here. But for the most part, you just need to be precise. And I just don't think you can do that on, you know, golf courses in Detroit in the middle of the summer and all a lot of the places where the PGA Tour goes. The answer isn't like, hey, let's just go play Lynx golf every week. But that seems to be the most yeah. amazing balance of of competition in my mind. No, and I, I would definitely agree with you there. I think the, the big thing is there, like you say, you hit in a bunker, you're wedging out sidewards, backwards. You know, you're not you, you're struggling to get to the green. Uh, you've got lucky with the lie or you've played a miraculous shot out of the bunker to get it to the green out some of those fairway bunkers. So I think there's a little bit of that. I, I don't think um, some places fairway bunkers are penal to an extent in the fact that, you know, you, you probably can't go a, a, a more aggressive target. You, you're playing a little bit more away from the flag, but they're not penal as in, you know, you're coming out sideways or it's, it's a guaranteed bogey. Um, I, I think the thing with Lynx golf, like you say, if you miss the fairway in a bunker, you know, it's more than likely it's going to be a bogey unless you have a great up and down. But again, you, you're in the fairway in those holes with thick, with uh, deep bunkers and, and it's a reward for it's a reward for straight driving. So I, I think it, it, it goes back to the course setup again, I guess. Yeah. So help me. I promise we will move on from distance at some point, but there's, yep. there's so much to ask you about here. But a two-part question here. What is deep rough? Does it help or hurt you as a shorter, like more accurate player? And second part of that is what what is an ideal setup? Because I think people think that narrow fairways are great for a player like you, but I think as we're starting to learn that after Wingfoot, it's like, hey, maybe that's not necessarily the case. For me, the biggest thing I think that actually helps someone like me who's probably not as long as uh, as others is actually firm greens, firm greens with rough around the greens or, or just really good bunkering or rough around the greens, really. Because the thing is with that, even if you hit it miles down there and you've only got a flick and the flag's tucked three, four left, you know, you pull it into the rough and you short side and you've got no chance of getting it within, within 10 foot um, just because you're not getting any spin. Um, the greens are so firm and then and then it really does make it difficult and again it goes back to the the approach shots on firm greens you're not playing as a you know you can't just fly it in there and stop with one bounce you've got to play more to to targets so a little bit away from flags and um yeah you just got to plan your way around a little bit better i think yeah uh, is it a coincidence that your two best finishes on the PGA Tour this past year were uh the memorial and olympia the two <laughs> the two firmest events well, I mean, yeah, that probably answers my question anyway. <laughs> a quick break here to check in with our friends at Whoop. If you listened to this podcast a couple weeks ago, we had a discussion, a uh, little discussion I was having with the soon-to-be wife about whether I would be allowed to wear the Whoop on the wedding day. She did allow it. had to be hidden up under the tuxedo. But I wanted that data. I wanted to know like what... What my uh, kind of you know body went through on that that day. It turns out my strain on Friday and Saturday, without doing anything actually physical, was through the roof. It turns out it's very stressful, uh, and your your heart rate is elevated for a long period of time. I hit 148 beats per minute when she came down the aisle. So we have that data forever. So I'm I'm glad I won that debate. 
If you're not familiar with what Whoop is, it's a fitness wearable. It provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep, how recovered you are. Listen, those numbers are not not been great for me as I've drank and ate my way through uh, through the past couple of weeks. But uh, we're gonna get back on a balanced schedule here. Gonna get back, get the sleep back to normal. Uh, turns out, yeah, alcohol is not great for your sleep, not great for your recoveries. But you can use the Whoop in so many different ways. You can use it to train for something that you're working out, you know, trying to you know build towards. You can use it uh, just to restore some balance in your life in terms of how well your body is rested and the, the relationship between your habits and how it affects your body is what I find to be the most interesting. So go to Whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, enter code no laying up to save 15%. Again, Whoop.com, enter code no laying up, sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter with Whoop today. Let's get back to Matt Fitzpatrick. No, but I think you're right. I think it's it's not that we want like I don't think the game needs to revolve around a player like you. And I think we're 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 underestimating your length. You're about an average length player. But I, I I'm just saying that your kind of player should be able to be involved more frequently than than is that is currently the situation. It's not like the game. You know, it needs to always just. Re- that, I'm not saying flip the script completely and say distance shouldn't be rewarded. I just, I think the balance is kind of what we're trying to find here. No, I, I agree. I think that's that's the the whole point. I think, I think for me, you know, this is more of opinion. I, I don't watch the golf, obviously. Uh, my friends do, and the amount of times I just receive messages, you know, friends in the UK, and it's just like, oh, I had to, I had to turn it off because it's just the same same hole or it's just the same shot every every hole and i think that's that's the big thing there's there's not enough variety you know you, you compare the where the president's cup golf course was for example i've never been down there myself but you compare that to a regular pga tour event it's just completely not even close for me i think if you could have more variety that would be would be better. And I'm not saying it just for me. I think just in, in general, I think the game, the game needs to be able to, to have everyone, everyone play and compete. And, you know, even the general public, if they keep making golf courses, 8,000 yards long, do you really think the general public want to go and play it? They absolutely don't because they, they won't have a chance. <laughs> you know, we're lucky enough to be technically very good at the sport and and because of that we we can hit it you know my average is what 290 or whatever because i'm you know technically decent at the game and i can i can get myself around at at that but these people that just want to pick up the game play friendly they, they probably don't play enough don't do the right practice and stuff to be able to to do that so they're not going to want to enjoy it or play it or or even watch it on tv so and I think you kind of, you know, you, you unpacked the, your, your part of the quote that says, you know, about the skill, the skill hitting it straight. I think it, it made a lot more sense in that context, but I guess the only issue I really had about your statement or the one, the part that I couldn't read between the lines was when you said you were, you were saying you could add 40 yards uh, to your swing. You know, you could, I could go see a biomechanist. I could, uh, you know, could gain 40 yards. It, my challenge to that would be like, if this is the case, one, why aren't you, or are you? And two, uh, you know, is is that something? Are you kind of, I guess, trending towards saying like, all right, these guys have got something figured out with distance, and I need to start figuring that out. No, I think honestly, to be fair, again, those, I think those words, the tone was probably missed there, but it, it was, it was more back to the the skill related right point I was trying to make in the fact that I could go 
I could get 40 yards. I could go longer. You know, I could put in this pursuit to, to get 40 yards longer, but I never said that I was going to be straighter because of it. And, and that was kind of my point that it, it's, it's actually, in my opinion, it's, you know, obviously this is just my opinion. It's probably easier to gain length like that by doing the, the certain things that I mentioned, putting on weight by a mechanist, all that. Than it than it is to to do that and hit it straight and I think what is really funny actually I, I was speaking to Ted we kind of uh, we spoke about it a, a plenty but I think one thing that um, a lot of people decided to to miss in in that article was actually that I I ended up saying and fair fair play to Bryson so I think everyone uh, decided to miss that point so you know it, it wasn't uh, what he has done is is longer longer and still straight you know so that that is the skill of the game in my opinion and and i think that my my point about adding 40 pounds and uh, hitting it 40 yards longer it was purely on the fact of length and and not accuracy basically see this is why it's it's dangerous to give you know quotes to reporters it takes 25 minutes to unpack all of the (laughs) all of what all of what you meant in in it i'm done after this solo there's no interviews (laughs) again now (laughs) you'll have said all you need to say um so i want to i want to transition some to augusta as we're uh as we're rounding into the the weeks leading up to it here what can you tell us about a November Masters. Almost everyone I've talked to, it seems to be like, it's a mystery. We won't really know until we show up. But is there anything we can kind of expect or that you are expecting, uh, you know, with the t- with the time change? I hate to tell you, but I can't tell you anything yeah. now. It's amazing. Um, it's amazing. Everyone's coming in blind. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's only a couple things for me, really. I, um, I listened to a podcast with Spieth a, a while ago he mentioned that it could go one two ways. One where it's soft and, and wet. Uh, I mean, this is probably fairly obvious. Or, or the other that they've had a really dry fall and and everything's everything's firm and fast and, and really really fiery. So, really could be one one of two things. I would imagine. Um, I mean, I've been looking at the temperatures there recently, funnily enough, and um, it's been pretty warm and humid. So, I, I'm going to guess that it's going to be soft. And and it's gonna and it's gonna play fairly long, so I, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be very interesting. Well, I think that not to tie this back around, but I, I've heard a lot of you know I've been Google Earthing and, and you know looking at where Bryson might be hitting it and stuff, and everyone's saying, well, it's gonna be cold, you know, it's gonna be soft, it's gonna be wet, he won't have this advantage. And I'm like, guys, are we being serious here? Like, if yeah, it's that's the opposite, it's the opposite. If it's cold, soft, and wet, he's gonna have the biggest advantage. I know the argument there is. You know, when it's not, you know, it's hard to swing really hard when it's not warm. But it, the longer that golf course plays, it's going to be better for him. So in, in your mind, seeing what he's done so far and, you know, what what's coming around the corner here, what what's he going to do to Augusta? How will that length play at somewhere like Augusta? Listen, I, I'm probably one of the only few that spoke about it. But a lot of the players I've talked to on tour, I've talked about frequently. We've had chats about it at lunch. And, and you just go through the holes in your head and it's like, Flick here, flick there. Oh, he's on the green here. He's driving it through the back of the green there, and it's just, you know, obviously it's all, it, it's all paper. It's all on paper, you know. Not, you're not winning, winning anything on paper. But if you purely go on where he's hit it this year and and how far he is hitting it, then that that those are the those are the areas he's going to hit it on certain holes when you when you go through them. But there's no doubt about it. Augusta definitely has a 
has a little bit more of an advantage for him because um, probably a little bit more forgiving off most holes off the tee uh, than, than a lot of golf courses. And, and it can really be used over to his advantage with uh, a lot of the par fives because it, it helps definitely when you, you, you're way down there on some of those to um, to control your ball. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of trees that they've put in there. Um, whether uh, Augusta have magicked a few other trees uh, in places that we've never seen before, you don't know until you arrive. But it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. And, and I think, yeah, depending on how it goes, I, I think uh, golf could either change or, or things will carry on as normal. It's hard. It's, it's always hard to come up with, you know, a fresh angle about Augusta, but it seems like I learned something about what it takes to succeed there every time I ask a player about the course. So I do want to dive in and, and nerd out a bit on Augusta. But, you know, aside from the obvious, what makes it different in your mind? And, and I hear different things, and I'm sure it's a combination of all these things, but, you know, people say it takes such amazing precision with the irons. It takes knowing the greens for several years. It's got to be below the hole. It takes length, blah, blah, blah. And again, like I said, I, I'm sure it's a combo of those things. But if in your mind, what is the defining test characteristic of that golf course or what makes it different than what you're usually seeing? It's not really massive, I don't think, on some people. For, for me personally, I think it's it's quite big, but almost just the the, the history of the event as a whole and, and what it holds when you're on the grounds and the feelings that you have when you play in and, you know, if you are in contention. And I think it just provides that little bit i don't know i i i feel like it does this almost a little bit extra pressure than than some of the other majors just because of for what it is it's this big build-up it's always the first major of the year and i think it's always really really exciting to to sort of be there and, and be part of it really but um for me going into it from purely you know this, this i guess looking at stats point of view and and shots and stuff i think the big thing is is it seems to be his approach play um you know if you're if you're on with your irons around there then you can you can seriously score well you've got to miss it in the right areas you've got to hit it close at the same time hit the you've got to catch the right slopes and and use them to your advantage and and i think it's definitely that i think if you drive it well um you know the fairways are pretty generous so you you know this doesn't really have a big big factor and, and i think you know if, if you're on with the put, put in i don't think it matters where you put in to be honest I think whether you in bermuda or augusta or harbour town i don't think it really really matters if you're on with the putter i think the biggest thing like i say is is approach play do you a lot everyone kind of cites you know i, I like so and so to win the masters because he moves it right to left and it seems like the laziest kind of analysis, but it also seems to be yeah. something that people fall back on. Is it is it as real in person of a benefit to be able to move it right to left for that golf course? I don't think so, okay. personally. I, I think there's two holes that you need to do it, and that's 10 and, and, th- and 13, in my opinion. Uh, and... 13s are arguable you know you can you can if you could hit a soft draw around there that'd be great but you know if you can hit a cut to the corner it doesn't matter you still got you can you can get a four iron on there or whatever you need to do to uh to get there but i i think it's a bit of a i think it's a bit of a myth in my opinion what are some of uh the most uneasy shots at augusta shots that for you just like don't really fit your eye or the shots that keep you up at night 
I would say an obvious one is is thirteen second shot. Uh, this is pretty it's pretty miserable. You'd, you'd love to be able to be on on flat ground there and just hitting it. Or I I would personally just flat ground and sort of hit a nice nice cut into there. Really, um, I know everyone likes to hit the draw, but I I always feel that I'll set it out right and and it's not going to come back. And then you're straight in the water. How do you hit a cut off of a ball above your feet? Um, well, hit and hope, really. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to use the slope. You've actually got to work it. You got to work it on the slope uh, to get a little bit technical. You got to actually um, move the club along the slope rather than trying to drag it down. You know, cutting across it, then you back up on it. Because I remember hearing Lynn Matisse way back in the day on the Golfers Journal podcast talk about how. He had like found random hills in Jacksonville to practice that shot because there's there's just no way to for cameras to pick up how severe that slope is. Is that the case? Yeah, I would agree with that. It's very severe, definitely. I would agree. You know, I'm I'm not going to state the obvious and and say twelve, but that that isn't that's that's a very funky shot. But the the two others, the interesting ones for me would be any flag on eleven. You know, you, you're always guarding guarding against left just because I, I always feel that the ball never really travels its full distance down there. Um, and then also being to any of the right pins. I mean, that is, is a very, very tough shot in my opinion, because you don't hit it on top. There's a small window. You've got a really good shot to hit it on top. And if you hit it down left, down, down to the bottom of the hill, the two puts miserable. You, you've got about five, six foot of break up the hill. And then it goes up, and then once you get past the hole by about three foot, it goes down away and off the green the other side. So it's it's a miserable putt to to leave yourself really. So I would say I would say sixteen to right flags in particular is uh, not a nice one. It, does the wind really swirl as much on twelve as you know as the as the legend says that it does? I, I've only been there a couple times and I've thrown some grass up in the air when I'm down there. And the first time I went. <laughs> It really was swirling, and I kind of couldn't believe it because I wanted to think it was a myth. But what's your experience like in trying to like actually judge that win? Because it pl- we saw it play a huge, huge factor in the last uh, in the last Masters. Yeah, I, I've never really, I've never really had anything stand out there to be honest, Sully. Like I, I don't, I think really, I think you've got <laughs> you've just got for a point every day you know where, wherever the pin is you you've got to play to the over the middle of the bunker and just hit it on that make sure you've got the right club there and and just hope that you hope that you've got it right because i've i wouldn't say i've personally had anything now me saying that i'll probably have something this year typical <laughs> uh, but um you know you see it you see it every year guys that right flags in particular they have a go at it and wind gets hold of it and it never never gets anywhere near or they fan it a little bit and it never gets anywhere near so um i think there was a big point made about tiger last year when he played that hole uh molinari looked like you know i I don't know where frankie was hitting it but obviously it looked like it came down on the pin and and finished short rolled into the water if i remember and tiger was just over the middle of the bunker and and i think that was I think that was the big point. It was like on 12th hole Augusta, no, 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 you just take your par and you get out. You're not trying to pick one up there. You, you, you're patient and you, you move on. And um, I think that was the big thing is that 
you know, you got to pick a really good target there, which tends to be over the middle of the bunker. Well, that's I have obviously have tremendous, tremendous respect for all everything that you guys do, and I I can't stand the person that sits on the couch and screams like, "Ah, oh, you idiot! I could have done that." But twelve at Augusta, we've seen it with Spieth, we've seen it with Molinari, we saw it with Kepka, and I think even Finau, I think went in the water too last year. Yeah. It is the most like to a viewer on TV, you can sit there and be like, "Dude, just hit it over the middle of the bunker." Like it's and when you hit it at the pin and it goes in the water, it is the one time of the year that I want to just scream like, "You idiot! How could you make that mistake?" But people, the reason that like the fact that it keeps happening makes me think that like there is truly just something extra challenging about that shot that you know even if every, everyone knows what the right shot is but it's still hard to actually do it when it comes to the moment I, can you give me any reason as to why that is I, I honestly i just think it also comes with the the territory of the 12th hole you know you you're stood there you know what's been done before you know what's happening you know you see the big leaderboard there on the down on the left you know where you stand if you're up there and and i these factors that when you stood over the shot is probably running through everyone's minds and you don't quite catch it you miss it a little bit a dimple left and spins up a little bit more catches a bit of wind and, and before you know it you you've got your hand down at your knee dropping and tipping on for three so I really think it's sort of a bit of the occasion and a, and a bit of the the weather as well I think there's definitely there probably is something in in the wind for sure and um, you know, it, for it to happen so much, it can't just be random. You yeah. know, what what's the coolest or the the most exciting pairing you've had at Augusta, um, or, or or something that kind of resonated with you, an experience playing with somebody there that uh, was especially special, I guess. Yeah, I can't really remember how the the result was, but I played with Spieth actually, and this was after he'd won, and I was, I'm going to be honest, I was like. I don't know, 45th in the world, probably high, maybe a little higher, whatever I was. And I was just shocked that I was drawn with Jordan Spieth. Like, <laughs> I was really shocked because, you know, for me, he was like, I think it was the, it wasn't the year after he won, it was maybe the year after that, but he, he'd played so well and, he, you know, he was effectively golden child of Augusta for, for those three years, wasn't he, where he just was almost unbeatable around the place. And, uh, yeah, I was shocked to, to sort of, to play with him i can't remember exactly how the day went now but yeah it was, it was pretty cool to play with someone like that particularly with the atmosphere that came with it because obviously everyone was you know was pulling for him so much so it was, it was pretty cool is there anything you can pick up from from you know playing with someone like that as far as you know how they play the course or anything that uh you know you would have learned from any veteran players that you played a practice round with or i'm just looking for like the little small nuances uh you know i'm sure that there's so many you know people have so much experience in that course and little little things to share to say when this pin is here miss here blah 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 is there any uh any cool stories you have in that regard yeah my, when i was an amateur and played in 2014 actually i was there with a friend uh he was sort of caddying for me and justin rose was was on property and the in the pro shop they were like oh justin rose is here when are you going to go play? And I told them this and they said, Oh, Justin's going to play around then. Maybe you should hang around and see if you can join. So I joined him and met him for the first time and stuff. And it was actually the first hole really. Uh, he was saying, listen, I'll give you one piece of advice here. We, we only aim to finish it 20 yards on in the center of the green. When you get up there and you realize, and I realized this, you know, I know this now I've, I've been quite a few times. So, 
I see it, but you, you, if your ball was in 20 yards on in the center of that green every single day, you know, you've got no more than a 25 footer to any flag, 20 footer even to any flag. And it doesn't matter where it is, back left, back right, front left. And, and it's, it's the perfect place to be. And it's just something so simple like that, but it, it's perfect for when, when you play in, 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 you know, tournament rounds and, it's just really simple. You know, you don't have to break it down. You don't have to, oh, I need to be a little bit left of this flag. It, it, that All of that just goes out the window and you're just focusing on 20 yards on in the centre of the green and, that, and that's where you leave it and you, you've got a great chance at birdie on uh, to every flag, really. That's great. See, that's that's like, that might sound like a boring little detail or something to you, but like now I know to look for that and viewers know to look for on the first hole how many guys yeah. are just hitting right centre of the green and... Uh, that kind of context. I, and we, I don't know how many people do that. Um, I don't know how many other players do it. Obviously, I know Justin Rose do, does, and I I try to do also. But it's one of those funky greens that you actually you see it from a distance and you think, wow, this green is huge. And then you get up there, you drop your ball in the middle of it, and it's actually where they where they can put the pins. The green is actually quite small. And then you all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, actually, if I leave it here, then there's going to be no issues. I, I invite you and all, all the listeners of this show to feel free to roll your eyes at this at this at, at any point. But I've been to a, enough golf tournaments and walked enough golf courses where I see like the shots, I see the courses, and I see it, and I'm like, you know what? Like I could on a good day, I can manage my way around this place. I I, I don't know what I'd shoot, whatever, but I I can see this, I can picture this. But walking Augusta. I never look at any of those shots and I'm like, I got this one. Like I, I could totally hit that yeah. shot. It is, I don't know how to describe it, but it is so visually intimidating. And I, I, I'm just wondering if that translates at all to your guys' level. I, I, I know it's extremely different, but I, I'm just wondering if you see any of what I'm talking about there. No, de- definitely, definitely. I, I think for me, I've been lucky enough. I've been back plenty of times now. I've done, you know... Augusta is my my best yardage book that I've ever done. Uh, it gets better every single year. I've got notes about anything and everything on there. And I think that's why, to me, it's probably been made easier. But definitely when you first play and, and you know, the, your first tournament there, there's just a, there's so much to take in. And I think that's where a lot of people don't necessarily go wrong, but they don't quite they don't have the time to learn it all in my opinion i don't know this for a, i don't know this for a fact is i could just be making this up but i feel like a lot of people's first masters tend not to be the best by any stretch i don't know that could be complete rubbish what i say but i always feel like there's just or i feel like there's so much to learn about the place and and the greens and where to hit it where not to hit it that that it's it's quite difficult to um, to play first time. Really. That's definitely not rubbish. It's uh, uh, there's a great article on datagolf.com about it says it's titled how important is experience to success at Augusta. And it shows like a very serious bell curve of like around years eight and nine slash 10 of playing the course. Are you at your, are your best at strokes gain per round? So uh, here's the way. What, say that again. Sorry. <laughs> I'm two years away. Hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, you said something interesting there. That's, you said it's your best yardage book. What's in there? What kind of notes do players keep in a yardage book, and why is it your best? And do you really need it written down to kind of remember some of the things that go into the different shots? 
you're lucky actually it's right next to me here because oh yes you're gonna have to send me some pictures of this please yeah i don't know pick a hole and i'll try and find something let's go with three okay three what have i got room for three okay three okay here's one look at the flag on seven hmm. so from from the t uh on three you can see where the flag is obviously so you know, it's just something small, but it just gives you, you know, it might give you a little bit of something when you get there on seven. Oh, actually, it's closer to the front than I thought or whatever. Another one I've got is play right half of the green for the second shot, just because I think that's where the actual front is. They have two dots here. They've got they've got the front front, which is actually the right side of the right side of the green. And they've got a front left dot, and that's actually six yards further on. So, you know, you see a flag that's on the left, and you might think, oh, it's okay, I can I can go at this. But the other thing is that the depth of that is only 12 yards. So it's 12 yards deep, and, and if, the, you know, if it's getting firm and you've got a pitching wedge, you you know, you, you struggle. It's a, there's a tight gap to fit it in. Um, so, yeah, hence... Into the right half, also slopes right to left as well. So, yeah, that, that's for that hole. That's the reason I picked that one is I feel like that's the hole that changes the most day to day in terms of where the pin is on how you would want to play it. Yeah, off the tee. yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. I mean, particularly if you're, if you're long any of the right flags, you just want to bomb it up greenside. If you can get it greenside, it's it's lovely. What about a hole like uh, let's say uh, fifteen? Might not have too too much exciting. I can tell you where the line is. the The line for dead center is there's three trees behind the green, and it's the middle one. Huh. On the the middle one. Uh, I have the biggest smile on my face right now. I love this. I love this stuff. I'm such a nerd. And there's, I'll give you one more actually. So when I'm in between going for it, the bunker obviously flag dependent. The right flags you're dead, you're dead but particularly the left flags. I've got written here, can you hit it in the right bunker without forcing it? So that means, like, am I on my limit without, you know, or or do I have to play a massive hook around the tree to get it in the wrong right bunker or a slice or whatever? Basically, if I'm, like, in between, can I just bunt it into the right bunker and, and you know, be safe, if you know what I mean, rather than trying to force something to carry it over the water effectively? Hmm. Golly. So is it something that like you go back and you read it? Is it just to, you know, reemphasize the point or is it something that you know, I have probably inherently remember this in my head or how often do you, I guess, see something you have written in there and be like, Oh, glad I wrote that down. That's interesting. Oh, uh, every year. Honest, honestly, really? every year. Yeah. It, this place really is it, very, very different, very, very different. And, and it plays different every year. I mean, for me, there's there's all sorts of stuff in here. The one thing that I like that I've done is is just I've drawn rough roughly drawn all the greens and just on above above the actual green page and just wrote where the best misses are to each flag. You know, if I hit it left, what flag can I get to there? If I hit it right, what flag can I get to there? And and just sort of giving them a bit of a mark on how easy it is to. To chip to chip to those flags effectively hmm. uh, anything on on the greens do you do you write down like hey front right of seven green breaks more than you think breaks less than you'd think it's faster there than you think is do you do it all the way down to that level 
No, not not really. Okay. I don't really, I don't really like that just because it can vary. You know, if I'm having a day with the putter that I'm I'm hitting it firm, and then I read that, I'm probably going to be like, oh, should you know, should I do? change my speed or, or can I keep it the same and I think some players maybe maybe like that but I think you know the green speeds vary you, you know you, you, your own touch varies from day to day so I never really liked like doing that really hmm. well, I'm I'm gonna wrap this podcast sooner than I was planning to because I want you to send me these pictures immediately but, but <laughs> not, I'm not ready to let you go just yet what, what so what what was something like I think it's kind of an under underreported maybe not in your life I'm sure you get asked about it plenty but uh, at least for you know a lot of American golf fans are kind of a, a forgotten part of this year is for somebody like yourself an Englishman trying to balance out playing between two tours during a pandemic um, wh- how did you spend you know the three months that you know golf was off how often have you gone back what's it, I know you've only gone back to play once in the Scottish and the BMW uh, PGA but what, what's what's the travel been like between continents how did you spend your time and what was kind of that like for somebody uh, you know from England for me it was the three months was pretty miserable <laughs> uh, I, we were in full lockdown in the UK, um, very strict, no golf. Um, and you made it back to the UK before before lockdown? Yeah. So I left just after the players. So I, I, my family were over here to watch me, the players. My brother's in college at, uh, at Wake Forest. So um, after the players, we drove back down from Jacksonville to the place that I rent here in West Palm Beach. And then basically... Uh, we stayed for a couple of days, read more about the coronavirus, and then we were reading. It's like, well, the U.S. are going to shut all the borders. U.K. is going to go into lockdown, blah, blah, blah. So we were like, let's just get on a flight. Got straight on a flight a couple of days later and then went home. And then we were just, um, yeah, I was just there for three months. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was brutal hitting balls into a net and, and that's it really. And then golf opened up again and just in time for for the pga tour to start really and um yeah they came over for the from two weeks before colonial basically uh, that's when i first came back over and the, like going back and forth between the you know the continents did you have to do i know i don't know how this has changed over time but did you have to quarantine for two weeks going each direction or are there you know kind of workarounds for professionals or how's that work i'm lucky we've been given um We've been given waivers by by the government, um, so a waiver coming over here, and a waiver um, going back to the UK. As long I, I take a test, or I have taken a test um, every time I, I move around, basically, and and once it's negative, I can basically just confirms that you know you can you can leave. Um, but I, I have to admit, I, I've got to give so much credit to to both the tours um they've they've been unbelievable with the whole process and the way they've done it you know golf is definitely the hardest sport to get back going purely from a travel point of view and uh, you know you never play in the same golf course you're never in the same location so both doors have done really have done an, uh, an unbelievable job to get us back playing Couple uh, other questions here, and we'll let you go. But you had a crazy good uh, putting year in 2020. What do you attribute that to? You were second in strokes gained putting on the PGA Tour, which is up from 110th the year before. Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I just ruined it. Now you're going to think about it. Now, now you're. No, not gonna... <laughs> I, oh, I, sorry, I, I absolutely knew that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't know. I've not really done anything different. I think 
for me, probably the year before, I was getting a little bit bogged down in my reading. I did a little bit of aim point. I, I did a little. It, it just, I just did probably just didn't flow as much. Um, that's probably about it. But listen, I think the the year before that, I was, I had a really good putting year as well. Um, strokes gained. So, I think that's the thing with putting. I think you've got a, a staple of guys that tend to be very consistent year and year out and then you've got streaky guys that can be up there and, and, and move down so um, for me I think that's the biggest thing I think just a little bit more um, relaxed I guess this year and, and not trying to force it as much probably a little less a little more patience and I don't know what exactly my question is related to this but it seemed like this year it seemed like it happened about eight times which I'm sure it was really only three times but it was like in tough conditions you were out early on a weekend and it felt like everyone else was blowing up, but it felt like cameras picked you up and followed you in and you played just amazing golf in crazy hard conditions. You were like king of the early weekend coverage. I can think of Bay Hill, Memorial, and was it Olympia too that, that happened? What do you <laughs> Yeah, I just I just love it when it's hard. I, I really do. I love it when it's tough and um I think it just re- it requires a lot of lot more determination, a lot more grinding. It's not. Um, it's not about hitting the hitting the ball long, and you know you got to you got it straight. You got to grind. You got to put well, chip well, and and I think to me, you get off the golf course, and it's so much more satisfying. I think when it's playing tough, and you come in with a one under. You know, I shot I shot seven under at Sherwood on the Friday, and you walk off, and I'm like, yeah, cool, cool, and I moved up like however many spots I'm like I'm thinking about it now I shot seven under I shot 65 I was like that's one of my lowest rounds of the year and I should be I should be absolutely buzzing but I you know it was just kind of like oh no that's that's what you you I should have done almost that's what what every the scoring was so low and that's what everyone was doing so I was like but but yeah, just just being able to get round in level par or one under and move up a, a ton of spots is, is is just a really nice feeling. And I think a lot of that is to do with the conditions, the way the course setup is. But I think also just like purely from a mind mindset point of view, it's like he's so in the moment for for every single individual shot of that round. And I think when you're in, I mean, everyone talks about it when you're in the in that mindset that you just in that particular moment each time, then you're always going to have more success. But I really think that, uh, uh, yeah, I really think that that that's, that was a, that was a big thing to do with it really. It's just purely the mindset is, is a lot different. It's just about grinding it out each shot. That you touched on one of the things that I would have to think is one of the hardest things about being a professional golfer when you, you know, you shoot a crazy low number and it doesn't even like gain you anything. You're just like, yep, you're, you're just as good as the other guys. It's, it's like, oh, what, what can I do? Like, what do I have yeah. to do to be, it, it, it it's, it's, you know, I, I look at a lot of the mini tour guys, you know, the, the scores that you have to shoot in those tournaments and how difficult it is just to shoot those scores. And then you're not even better than a lot of the guys. That's gotta just be mind numbingly frustrating. Yeah. It's, it's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> when, you know, <laughs> I think I think it happens all the time. It probably comes to a point, uh, you know, at some point in in a tournament week where you feel like you've really played well, and you might be 
15th or something and you're like do i you 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 question yourself you know do do i have more in the tank than that but then two weeks later and you're lying second going into the weekend and you're like oh that was i didn't even play that well and and that's that's where i am I, i think i really do think it just sort of goes up and down with um with sort of each week really Mm-hmm. last one what was it like uh having bones on the bag yeah it was good yeah it was great experience actually yeah it was really really good it was it was interesting um having someone who's worked for for you know the same guy for so long had so many different experiences with him um and and probably come come to myself who who's a very very different player and and probably does things very differently as well and I think that was quite, I think Bones enjoyed that as well, particularly just because it was something very much different for him. Um, but we had a great two weeks and, um, yeah, he, I know he enjoyed it and, and I feel like he's itching to get back out. <laughs> yeah, he's he said he's a, he's a caddy. He's a caddy uh, through and through. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right, man, we're going to let you go. I think you successfully uh, made this without any, any controversial statements that... Uh, that <laughs> That anyone could misinterpret it in any way. Sully, someone will find one. We know that. Social media, someone will find one. Well, you're off social media, so you won't even have to see it. There you go. Exactly. Someone will tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Fitz, thanks so much for the time, man. Best of luck at Augusta coming up. Can't wait to watch and uh, hope to run into you uh, sometime soon when things are a little bit more back to normal. Perfect. Thanks, Sully. See you, man. See you. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! <laughs>